Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Has Joe Biden been reading The Art of the Deal? Well, we will tell you what deal he's cutting right now with some really weak Republicans who are giving in to Biden's every demand. And are you ready for some MAGA rallies? Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene will tell us about her Georgia rally with Matt Gates and Hogan Gidley will be here to tell us about the huge boat parade that he and I are doing on Memorial Day. And Pastor Paula White will be here. She was President Trump's spiritual advisor. She joins us here tonight in an exclusive interview. All of that and more right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. All this week, I have been trying to figure out why the left and the media and Anthony Fauci himself have decided to suddenly open up their minds to the possibility that the COVID virus might have come from a Chinese lab and not a Chinese bat. The left never does anything for the right reasons. It's all for political gain these days and to expand their power. That's why they politicize everything. They politicize masks, vaccines, academia sports, Hollywood. They pressure every corporation all the way down to mom and pop shops to state their political stance on everything under the sun or be canceled. So I'm still watching for the left to expose themselves and show us why they suddenly want to investigate the origin of this virus. Now, last night on CNN, Chris Cuomo had a theory on why we're suddenly concerned about where COVID originated. I don't know what caused COVID. And I don't think anyone else does in this country, if they're being honest. But on the right, they're all about it. Why? Because the more this is about China being sneaky, the less it is about our leadership failing under Trump. So the byproduct of that is what? Fueling hate toward innocent people of Asian descent. You know that that's a reason why we've had an uptick in the assaults. Um, no, Chris. Quite a theory, but uh, you forgot one major fact here. The reason why we're talking about this now is not because of right-wingers. It's because of Anthony Fauci, your guy. Your guy. Fauci's the one who changed his tune. Fauci's the one who suddenly made a U-turn completely and said he changed his mind on the possible origin of COVID. So how can it possibly be a right-wing conspiracy? Makes no sense. But I have my theory as to why Cuomo is trying to tie everything back to Trump and conservatives. Maybe it's because of this headline. CNN's ratings go down the toilet, tumbling over 70% since January. Hmm, they really need Trump. All their softball coverage of Biden, not good for ratings. But do you know what Biden is good for? Well, he's very good for the MAGA movement. Conservatives are fired up now more than ever. There are rallies happening all across the country this weekend. One is tomorrow in Georgia, one on Memorial Day here in South Florida. Yes, we will be there at all of these with bells on. You will not want to miss our coverage. And up next, Marjorie Taylor Greene is here to tell us about one in Dalton, Georgia, Hogan Gidley, talking to us about the huge boat parade happening in Florida. You'll be a part of it all. That's next here on Dr. Gina. Stick around. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash ad free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. So glad you're with us. It has been a huge week of just big shows. Have you noticed? Because there is something burning beneath the surface in the heart of patriots across America, MAGA patriots, fired up more than ever. There's something happening. I'm telling you what. And 45, President Trump has been teasing the return of the Trump rally. If I get a text about this once a day, I get 25 texts a day from just random people that I've known throughout my life saying, when are the Trump rallies coming back? Well, guess what? It's time. And we are eagerly awaiting the details from the Trump team. But tomorrow night, if you are in Dalton, Georgia or the surrounding area, there's a big America First rally happening there that you can also see right here live on RAV TV. It is the third America First rally with Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene that we have covered, and we will be doing just the same thing. And I, yours truly, will be hosting that as well for you. So you want to make sure you tune in. We also just happen to have Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene right here with us right now, looking fresh and summerly. Is summerly a word? I'm not even sure. Thank you so much, <laughs> Congresswoman, for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Gina. I'm so happy to be on here today. Um, you know, Congresswoman, I don't see any other members of Congress, just pointing out, running around the country, hosting rallies. And it's probably because none of the rest of them could probably get five people to show up, at least not many of them. Uh, there is a hunger for these events. What is bringing these patriots out in droves to your rallies right now? Well, I think hunger is a good word. And, and not only is there a hunger for these type of events, but there is a deep hunger among Americans, American people all over the country in all 50 states that definitely want the return of MAGA. They want the return of America First policies because they're absolutely devastated watching what Joe Biden and the Democrats in control in Congress and the Senate are doing to our country. I mean, we're a country that only in a matter of months have had our borders ripped wide open our police defunded, ICE has been crippled, the military is now woke, and then here we are watching the Middle East fall apart where we had seen President Trump bring just incredible, amazing uh, peacetime and, and historic peace deals in the Middle East. And, and so this is what everyone is, is just disgusted and fed up with the Democrats, and they want to see the return of America First policies but they don't just want it in the White House next time. They definitely want President Trump back in the White House. They want it in Congress. And so that's what Matt Gates and I are doing. We are driving hard with America First because we know this is the only way to save our country and this is the future that America needs and the future that America wants. You know, it used to be this used to be the way that Republicans did business is once the establishment politicians, the elite and the media started criticizing one of them, everyone would sort of just back away from them and and just kind of let them be pushed down. That's the cancel culture that we are all living the results of now in our gutless establishment GOP. Mm -hmm. um, 
But you and Matt Gates, two of the biggest, I, I called you a wallflower at the beginning of our, of our uh, commercial <laughs> conversation because you and Matt Gates are about the most outspoken firebrand, two of the, the biggest ones out there for sure. And you decided instead of cowering to their attacks and their setups and uh, the rest of the things that the establishment elite like to do to people, you decided why don't we just join forces and really punch it right back at them? What did that conversation look like? Well, it was real easy. Uh, you know, Matt and I both have been probably the most attacked members of Congress in history. Uh, the mainstream media absolutely hates us and likes to highlight anything they possibly can. They lie about us, smear, um, and, and just constantly publish fake news stories about us. And we just got to the point where we decided we could care less what the media has to say. The media doesn't matter, and people are sick and tired of them anyways. And we also just got fed up with the establishment and control. Um, and we decided that, you know, our Republican Party is not working hard enough. Um, we may be in the minority, and it may be a slim minority, but we need to stop being the Republican Party that just talks on Fox News. We need to be the Republican Party that is the party of action and the party that's driving hard with the America First policies. We're also seeing the civil war within the GOP, and Matt and I have teamed up because we refuse to allow Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger or any Trump-hating Republican and, and Republican that just sells out all the Republican voters. We, allow the, we, we won't allow the GOP to turn into their party. So we're taking charge. We're bringing it to the people. We know what the people want, and the people overwhelmingly support President Trump as the leader of the Republican Party. Matt and I both support President Trump as the leader of the Republican Party, and Matt and I are just going to drive it home all over the country to make sure that America First policies are the only way forward for the Republican Party. And speaking of GOP leadership, the media and some politicians have made a big deal out of some remarks you made lately. The House GOP leadership condemned those remarks. I want you to give your side of that controversy. Yeah, that was really interesting what happened yesterday. I've been taking a really hard stand um, on, on two fronts, very, very hard stand. Number one, I've been taking a hard stand against terrorism. And members of the squad, Democrat women, actual United States Congresswomen supporting terrorist Hamas, uh, firing rockets and attacking Israel, and then also supporting Antifa BLM terrorists right here at home. You know, United States members of Congress should never support terrorism, especially terrorism attacking our allies and terrorism attacking the American people and the American taxpayers. But the Jihad Squad is unapologetic and the Democrat Party is protecting them and Nancy Pelosi always protects their own. Well, I also have been fighting back against vaccine passports. You know, I'm a big believer in freedom and, and that's what makes America the greatest country in the world. And people should have the option if they want the vaccine, then get it. If they don't want the vaccine, they don't have to get it. And if we trust the science, then we trust that vaccines work. And if we trust the science, then we trust the real facts that 99% of people survive COVID-19 without the vaccine anyways. Well, I refused to wear my mask on the House floor this past week and received heavy fines for that, $500 for the first one, $2,500 for the next one. But I said on behalf of school children and athletes and moms and dads all over America, I'm going to keep fighting this battle right there in the House of Representatives, the People's House, and I'm going to continue to fight back against Speaker Maskell. That's what I call Speaker Pelosi, Speaker Maskell and her ridiculous, tyrannical mask policies. 
But the biggest outrage is people being treated like second-class citizens um, simply because they refuse to to uh, show a, pass pe- a passport, a vaccine passport. And I had compared it to to the way the the horrible way that um, Jewish people had been treated by having to show their papers of who they are. Well, without a phone call or a text message, all of a sudden I find out on the news that Kevin McCarthy, um, Elise Stefanik, and and unfortunately Steve Scalise had all condemned my, my remarks. And in their own own condemnation of my remarks, they didn't even have it right what I had said in the first place. They were just uh, misstating things I had said. And then also they were just preaching the the woke media mobs uh, talking points. So this is this is a problem. They didn't have to attack me. Nancy Pelosi doesn't attack her own. And I think the GOP needs to do better. So what was the message you were trying to convey there? Well, the message is this. We don't need to have Americans treated like second class citizens simply because they don't want to get the vaccine. The vaccine is not even FDA uh, uh, certified yet. It hasn't been approved by the FDA, but yet we have schools like the University of Virginia telling their uh, students that they can't return to in-person classes without getting the vaccine. Well, that's a violation of their freedoms, their rights, and their HIPAA rights. Uh, Schools and universities should not step in, especially when there's uh, side effects being shown with these vaccines and it's not FDA approved, and people have the right to choose, especially young people that are in the lowest risk group and don't need the vaccine anyways. Most of them do not. Um, Freedom is so precious, we have to protect it, Uh, but we can't allow the Democrats and those in charge um, that think they know better than us and, and think they can control everything that we try to do in our daily lives. We can't allow them to force us into socialism and, and having a tyrannical government. We have to stand up against these aggressions, and, and it's, it's important that we speak out and do that. And so you do reject the media narrative or accusation, I guess, that says you compared wearing a mask to the Holocaust. You say that's, that's untrue. That's not at all what you meant by that. Oh, it's completely untrue. Um, anyone can ask David Brody. He was he was interviewing me at the time when I made those statements, and I, I wasn't even talking about masks per se. It was it was talking about the mistreatment of being treated like a second class citizen. And I never said the word Holocaust. It's just the same as I never said the words Jewish space lasers. But then the media made that one up too. Um, so yeah, this is a this is another fake news story that the media had to create. Uh, to cover up the fact that the jihad squad is supporting terrorism, that the Democrat Party is the real party of anti-Semitism. They're the real party of hate, division, and and stealing our freedoms. Uh, So the media needed cover for the Democrats and the precious women that they love, the jihad squad. And and so they decided to attack me. And unfortunately, um, when they attack me, they also demand answers from leadership in the GOP. And the leadership should not have to answer for me. I can answer for myself. And leadership should focus on, um, you know, coming up with a good plan when we take back the House in 2022 and it not just being messaging and talking points on Fox News. Joe Biden has been pushing his infrastructure plan, as you know, Congresswoman, which has little to do with infrastructure from everything that I've read. But the White House has placed a deadline of Memorial Day on getting this deal done, and that's an arbitrary deadline. But Biden originally wanted $2.3 
trillion dollars of our taxpayer money to spend on his so-called infrastructure. Democrats say they will move forward with this plan after Memorial Day without Republicans if they are unwilling to make a deal. So seven weak Republican senators have decided they're okay with a trillion dollars in spending, but one trillion is still a huge number. There is massive outcry about this across the board, and we know that very little of this will actually go to anything that is what we would call infrastructure. Um, can we stop this if seven Republican senators are, are, senators are already on board with this? And why do you suppose, and this is a two-tiered question, that it seems as though much of the Republicans who are elected today have become so unaccountable to their own constituency on these matters. Well, you see, that's the real problem, and that's why we have thousands of people flocking to America First rallies that Matt Gates and I are taking all over the country. It's because people are sick and tired of elected Republicans that are so disconnected that they bend over to the, to the woke media mob and they just fall in line with whatever the Democrats want. Um, you see, we should be fighting back. We should be fighting every single angle of this Biden infrastructure deal because it's nothing but the Green New Deal. That's what his infrastructure plan is, AOC's Green New Deal. It's a gigantic socialist platform that's just going to take just trillions of our tax dollars and create new socialist programs, programs that are going to wreck our economy, kill our jobs, and turn America into something it was never meant to be, which is a socialist country. What Republicans should be doing is putting up a fight because that's what Republican voters want. And seven senators should never cave to Biden and his demands for the infrastructure plan. And so what they'll need is they need two more, right? Because here they have Kamala Harris as the vice president. She's the, the deciding vote in the Senate with 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats. You add one, which is uh, Kamala Harris as the vice president. They have 51. If they have seven Republican senators, well, they only need two more to get to 60. And it would be a real shame if we saw that happen in the Senate. And uh, I think Mitch McConnell should really put a clamp down on that and do better in the Senate. We've, we've got to see a stronger Republican fight. Um, and that's the only way we're going to win because the Democrats have no problem bringing it to us. And you're going to take that message right straight to the American people. Tell us about the rally tomorrow and how people can attend. Oh, man, the rally is going to be great. So if you are anywhere in Georgia, uh, you know where to, how to get to Dalton. It's right up I-75. We're going to be at the Dalton Convention Center tomorrow night, Thursday, May 27th. It starts at 7, but you're going to want to get there earlier because there's going to be a lot of people coming, and it's going to be a really good time. Um, I know the uh, America's Voices uh, bus is going to be there, and lots of people yep. are coming from all over. Um, you guys are going to be broadcasting it live, and I'm really thankful for that. Uh, there's going to be plenty of room this time. We've got a bigger event venue, and we're just so excited for, for all the people that have registered saying that they're coming. But if you're in Alabama, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, or shoot, get a plane ticket and come on out. Um, Dalton, yeah. Georgia, the Dalton Convention Center tomorrow night. It's going to be a really great time. Yes, and if you are too far away to be there, like down in the southern tip of Florida, 
Um, <laughs> then I'd have to start driving like right now, I think. Not really, <laughs> but pretty close to that. Um, then um, you can watch it right here. As the Congresswoman said, we will be covering it. I will be hosting it. We'll have our own um, correspondence there on the ground, and hopefully we'll get to hear all of the excitement and be part of the rally from that perspective if you're too far to be there. So thank you so much for being with us. Marjorie Taylor Greene, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Now, there's another rally happening on Monday already on Memorial Day itself, but this one happening on the water here in South Florida. The big Trump boat parades became such a thing a thing, this is kind of a little joke I have with my next guest, during the Trump presidency, and they are back, and this one is supposed to be huge. And I, for the very first time, get to be on a boat Monday, flying my American flag and a big Trump flag or two, and former White House Deputy Press Secretary Hogan Gidley flying down just to be part of it. He joins us right now. Hogan, it's a thing, right? It is a thing. It is a very big thing. It is a very popular thing. And the people of Florida loved it during the campaign. People came from all over the country just to experience a boat parade because it was more than just a celebration of Donald Trump and the record-setting success. It was also a celebration of this country and how great she is and uh, uh, the fact that America is a beacon of hope and of strength and of goodness all over the world. And this show of force just reminds the American people that we're here to celebrate Memorial Day. We're here to celebrate this country. And, and I, for one, could not be happier that the boat parades are starting back up again and that I get to be part of it again on a boat, I believe, with you, Dr. Gina. So we should have a really good time out there all day in Florida with a bunch of other American patriots ready to celebrate this great nation. Super, super stoked about this, Hogan. And, um, you know, those Biden boat parades, um, I've been watching for those. I, and I, I, you know, and I, I do, I live right on the water. I, I get the boat parades go right past my house. And I haven't seen a Biden boat parade. Do you expect that to be happening soon? I've never seen a Biden. Nope. Actually, I've seen one old boat that was wrecked and somebody put a, a Biden sign on it, which I thought was kind of funny. But that's literally the only Biden representation I've seen out on the water. Everyone still has their Trump flags up. You know, Joe Biden was struggling during the campaign. He never really made it out of that basement. When he did, it was an unmitigated disaster. He never really had any boat parades because no one really wanted to come out and see him. His rallies were sparsely attended, uh, mostly by staff members who were paid to be there. So uh, there is definitely a contrast between what we see with the support and excitement around Joe Biden, even though he's the sitting president right now, versus what we see around uh, President Trump. And, and let's be honest, the former president has been teasing the audience and his supporters for quite some time that there is a potential second run for him out there, saying he will make an announcement very soon. And so it just stands to reason that the American people who really love the fact that the policies Donald Trump put in place improved their lives, made us uh, you know, live better than we had before uh, because of what uh, Donald Trump was able to do. And when you compare and contrast that with Joe Biden, in just a short amount of time, we have record high gas prices, um, you know, a shortage up and down the eastern seaboard. The Middle East is in turmoil. The, the border has surged into a, a, a dangerous crisis. Um, the economy is struggling and, and preparing for a massive, um, massive inflation, which is going to hurt all Americans. I mean, people long for the, for the way that Donald Trump ran the country. And, and while the Democrats will say, hey, but there aren't any more mean tweets, 
I think the American people are, are more excited about the fact that we had a president whose policies put them in a position to succeed, which is something that Joe Biden doesn't understand and, and definitely is not something Joe Biden has done because every time he turns around, what he puts in place sets us up for failure, and it's sad. You know, this all really, every time I think about it, Hogan, it reminds me of a family story that my family loves to tell about a, a, an older relative of mine who had aged and was obviously in the stages of dementia, not to mention any names that we might know of, because um, dementia is not a funny thing. It's something that's happened to my no. family. It doesn't mean they should be president because you feel sorry for them. It just is a sad thing when it happens to anyone, and no one wishes that on anyone. But anyway, this member of my family had dementia, and um, another member of my family, a younger member, had finally found a, a wife and he'd gotten engaged and he brought her home to meet this elderly member of my family and he said you know right to them both he said you know you'd have to look a long time to find a girl that ugly and that's how i think about joe biden he's not ugly oh but you'd have to work really hard to screw things up that badly in under 150 days hogan i mean i imagine you must marvel at how in the world his staff lets him do all of these ridiculous things or whoever's pulling his strings that has screwed up so much that they've literally had to reverse things and go back to your the, the administration you were a part of and in your policies uh, and the president trump's policies with you there as a part of them because they've realized that they went way too far it's got to be almost almost funny to watch if it weren't our own country yeah, it's funny if it wasn't impacting the American people so negatively yeah. right now. I mean, yeah. look, what Donald Trump was able to do in just four short years, Joe Biden has completely eroded in four short months. And the reports are out there, Gina. It's not Joe Biden, although, you know, he is the empty vessel that he is. It's his staff telling him, don't work with these Republicans. We're going to continue to cram these things down on the American people in a purely partisan way. And all this is is a power grab. They really don't care about the future of the country. That's one reason you see, you know, every month for the last two consecutive months, almost 180,000 people pouring across this border. And the, the squad is saying nothing. There's no hand-wringing from them, no, no vocal outrage from them. And the Joe Biden administration is letting this happen. It's their policy to allow it to continue because they want the political power once those people yeah. get here. And, and they can be put into American communities without us knowing and somehow assimilate into this country if they decide to assimilate at all. Forget the crimes that so many have committed coming in here and the ones they committed from the countries um, from which they, they, they come. Let's not forget, um, that's a serious problem uh, for, for the American people, but it is a great political weapon for the Democrats. That's the only it is, reason it is, Hogan. they're doing but this right now. But let me ask you something, though. At least I see the political motivation there. The things I don't understand are like the Wuhan lab commission that they shut right. down for, for, for really just petty, retaliatory. This is like junior high stuff. Uh, but this is the White House and the leader of the free world, Hogan. Well, a couple of things. First of all, you're the doctor, so you tell me why the, the, the psychosis of, of this president <sighs> seems to be to hurt the American people. But I'll tell you this. Remember, you never bite the hand that feeds you. And whether it's, I don't know, John Cena, whether it's LeBron James, or whether it's Joe Biden via his son Hunter, you're never going to go after China because they're the ones giving you millions and millions of dollars. Why would you attack China? You're going to placate to them. You're going to allow them to continue to grow. You're obviously going to give money 
the billions of dollars back to Iran, allowing uh, Iran, the world's largest state sponsor of terror, to give money to Hamas to continue to attack Israel. These are the types of policies of, of you know, appeasement that Joe Biden has been a part of for a long time. And I was on a show earlier, and we were having a conversation about um, how Joe Biden is doing, and this particular reporter was saying, no, but he's thinking about it. He's been very clear he's thinking about it. I said, thinking about it? He's been in elected office for half of a century. What is he thinking about? And by the way, he's also on the campaign famous for pointing out the fact that he had plans for all of these things. Forget for a moment that he said a plan for coronavirus and he held it to himself. I mean, that seems very cruel to say the least. When he actually got elected, he said, we're going to have to let the coronavirus play itself out, which was you know, a complete and total lie. The media didn't hold him uh, to, that, uh, uh, to that account at all. But the fact is, Joe Biden's been all over the place here. And he's not going to attack Russia. He's not going to attack China. He's not going to right. um, you know, defend our allies and partners around the world. He's going to allow Russia to, to continue with Nord Stream 2, even though he's so right, exactly. tough on Russia. It's just a joke, and the media it, will never push him you. on it. I mean, he has, he has bullied Russia and Putin endlessly, and now they're best friends. They're meeting next month, their first face-to-face -face meeting since he lifted sanctions, Biden did, on the Nord Stream 2 that you just mentioned on the pipeline that is going to make Putin and his buddies billions of dollars. And right. this is sickening. The, 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 the uh, geopolitical implications for this in Europe are absolutely terrifying for mm -hmm. anyone who cares about democracy, which is what the Democrats always say they care about, although their actions prove otherwise. But th this is what is so scary to me. So many decisions, and you alluded to this, have been done based on one thing, two things, power and money, which are some usually go hand in hand. So right. my speculation is, and I had Morgan Ortegas on yesterday, and we discussed this, that, and she agrees, I believe, um, that Putin is, as long as, you know, you keep the money train coming and you keep the he's going to just forget all the trash talking that the Dems did. And here's the scary part for the American people and for liberty lovers all over the world. If you can operate like this and scream Russia, Russia, and Russia collusion for four straight years, day and night, um, during a Trump administration, and then you can just turn it all around by giving him a big old pipeline gift. And by the way, taking the one from the American people as your first right. act as president, thank you, Joe Biden, and destroying right. tens of thousands of jobs. If this is the way politics, if this is the way Hollywood's gone, Cena, prove that to us. But if this is the way politics has gone now, how in the world do we ever fix this? Russian pipeline bad or good, American pipeline bad. That's the problem with Joe Biden. He talks a lot. He does nothing. That's what I was alluding to before. He's been in elected office now for nearly five decades. The Democrats always talk tough, but they never deliver on the toughness. And that's what made Donald Trump so unique and so refreshing. He stood right. up to the foreign countries and said, by the way, all these NATO groups we're in and the United Nations, you got to start paying your fair share. I'm not going to be on the hook. America's not going to be the world's piggy bank anymore. That's something that's undervalued that Donald Trump was able to do. But he also held their feet to the fire with massive sanctions on Iran that crippled their economy, did the same thing with Russia, even though the media refused to cover it. The difference is, whatever Joe Biden does, the media is going to tout as the greatest thing we have ever seen in this country. I said it during the debates. If he just stumbles up to the podium and says, hi, my name's Joe, they're going to give him massive um, praise and plaudits. They did that. The same applies here because the media has the same goal that Joe Biden has, and that's to systematically change this country into some type of socialist 
communist utopia that they think is going to, to do wonders for America and, and increase somehow their power and the power of those that they want in office. The American people, I think, though, have seen this coming for quite some time. They rejected it with Donald Trump. And now so many people did decide to vote for Joe Biden. And they're seeing what they're getting because mm -hmm. of the horrific policies he's put in place and how he has kowtowed to the world. Have you ever noticed how Democrats are so concerned about the international community? Donald Trump was concerned about the American community, was concerned about America first, and I think the American people are going to take back the House in 2022 based on candidates who support the America first agenda and the Make America Great Again mantra and those who will continue to push that on into 2024 as well. Well, the first uh, first big rally of you know rage is starting, and we will see you Monday for the Memorial Day Patriots Boat Parade. It kicks off in Jupiter, Florida, at 11:30 a.m. That's what my prompter says. Correct. I thought it was 11 o'clock. Okay, and it's going to be a great time, Hogan. I can't wait to hang out with you. We're going to have a great time. We will. A lot of fun. All right. Thanks for being here. All right, Pastor Paula White was President Trump's spiritual advisor, and she's up next right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay with us. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now, every election these days is the biggest election. At least that's what we're told. The leadership of our country can either steer us away from the brink or take us right over that edge. In 2016, we witnessed a miracle with the Trump win on election day. But now it seems we are holding on in some ways for dear life until the next presidential election. And in 2024, uh, there will be an election which seems in some ways like an eternity from now, but I promise you it will sneak up on us before we know it. And that's why there's always one place you can turn above all else, and that is to our faith and our God. Joining me now, she was President Trump's spiritual advisor, Pastor Paula White. Pastor, thank you so much for being here. It's great to be with you, Gina, and with everyone. Excited about this time to get. Well, I'm excited to have you. We served on the Women for Trump board together, and I didn't get a ton of time with you, but when we were together, we were working hard. And so this is a great excitement for me as well. When President Trump was in the White House, Pastor, you worked clo closely with him on measures to protect and advance religious freedom. It really became sort of a cornerstone of his presidency, probably in a lot of ways, based on your counsel. Um, is religious freedom, by your estimation, under threat now from this administration? And if so, how are you advising Christians to proceed? Absolutely, Gina. Uh, it has just expedited, um, like we've not seen before. We saw America's constitutional religious freedoms to symbol and worship absolutely threatened during the pandemic. For the first time in U.S. history, houses of worship were shut down. Think about what we went through. They set a very dangerous precedent against the First Amendment. Uh, recently, of course, California churches actually had to band together to sue their government 
to open their doors and freely worship again. Fortunately, uh, they just won that case last month. But as we look at what's going on under the Biden administration, it's extremely dangerous and quite opposite of what we did under President Trump. While running President uh, Biden, then candidate Biden, of course, said that Biden said hate has been given a safe harbor in religious organizations. When we look at that, that statement, think about it before he even became president. He has now condemned faith-based charities like homeless shelters, adoption agencies as discriminatory. If they don't endorse same-sex marriage, transgender identities, abortion rights, on and on. This is a direct assault not only on Christians, but also Jewish faith, Muslim faith, and so many faiths that we strive to work for the freedom of all people of faith under President Trump's administration. It's also a direct assault on the amendment of our Constitution, and it's happening so, so quickly. Just last week, the Biden administration announced a new health and human services rule that requires federally funded hospitals and insurers to provide gender-related procedures. Think about what we're saying here. It's just, it's so far from what we worked on and uh, that they would not violate uh, a doctor's conscience or a hospital's mission. Essentially, here's what the threat is, to either support transgender goals or to be put out of business. And this is a huge discrimination against religious freedom and religious rights. There's more coming. A lot more that came from this administration, the Biden administration, over the next three and a half years. And as believers, we have got to pray. We've got to take action. We've got to move and do as much pushback as possible. What's especially stunning, as we've seen recently, is that uh, Biden proudly proclaims his Catholic upbringing. But even the Catholic Church is now beginning to push back on Biden and his policies because they're totally out of alignment with our faith. Yeah, when you're going to let a newborn baby die on a table, um, I just don't know how you call yourself any semblance of, of Christian. Not for me to judge, but I just don't see it. Uh, speaking well, of President Trump, he, I'm sorry, go ahead. You can comment on that, sure. I was just going to say, you know, we were so strong with life, and, and it's such a, it, it is not even, I mean, it's such a far, far swing because um, it, it is, it's pathetic. I mean, God's word is very strong about life and God has a lot to say about that all through from Genesis to Revelation. And I think if we say what God says and we just stand in a good and a right position. Yeah, it's, it's shocking to me how much, how many of the things you just told us, Pastor White, that I haven't even heard in the media yet. And there were good yeah. things that President Trump did that I never heard in the media. Um, for example, um, he wrote a bill about babies with Down syndrome, um, not selectively aborting them. And I, and I never even knew about that. I mean, I found out about it on my own, but you didn't hear that in the news. I happen to have an adopted son um, who was slated for abortion who has Down syndrome. So this was very personal to me. This wasn't something, there's not a large Down syndrome population anymore because most of them are aborted. But these are the kinds of things that probably with you, uh, you know, helping and advising um, from your heart and from your faith that he went and did quietly sometimes unrecognized and that spoke to me about maybe not even who he was when he was elected, but who he became while he was president. Can you speak to that? 
You know, Gina, so true. So I've had the privilege and honor of knowing President Trump for 21 years now and having a long relationship. And the media has always mischaracterized, misaligned, been absolutely brutal to him, to his family. Not only did they not tout the policy, but never talked about the character and the integrity of the man. Uh, these policies became etched in stone during his administration, which really was a reflection of his values and the values of conservatives uh, that he knew were the base of uh, the conservative, what you would call movement, or what we know as, as that voted President Trump in, and, and most all Americans. We are over 50% that support uh, life, that don't support choice. We've got some big things weighing ahead of us, of course, in the Supreme Court, state by state, as we look at Mississippi and Texas and some other things that'll be coming up. We need to really pray for those. But President Trump, uh, as I said, I've known him for a long time. We started the election process by prayer in 2011. And he asked me to bring 20, 30 people together and just pray. He had to make a decision, what's he gonna run? So we were praying. And then by 2014, 15, he said, Paula, I think I'm, I'm going to run by 15. He absolutely knew. And he said, you're going to be my faith director. I was thinking, and he said, I'm going to run for president. I was like, I, I'm, no, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sure you know what you're doing, but what's a caucus in <laughs> Iowa? You know, it was just, it was absolutely out of my lane and, and so far beyond me. But God really, you know, I got some books and some quick crash courses and found out a lot about how politics works. I say that because there was a meeting specifically that we started doing just one-on-ones. President Trump, uh, then candidate Trump, was always so open to being with people. And that was one thing people said, oh, you know, Hillary and this person just hates you because people, I'm like, why? You know, this is President Trump. He loves people. He loves being around people. And I'll never forget that they asked him one time, there were about 40 preachers or so in this meeting and rabbis, uh, priests, and they said, okay, weren't you pro-choice, you're pro-life, and how did this happen? This is prior. And he began to tell the story in his life. And it made sense to so many people. Of course, I, I knew this, but he said how one of his closest friends was faced with just the most horrific decision he'd ever had to face. And his wife had decided to get an abortion, though the husband did not want it. And he said, you know, I never really had to think about it as a business person. He said, but when I started thinking about it and seeing the pain that he went through, I just could not see how anyone could take the life of a child. So this is very dear and personal to him. It wasn't just about his base. It wasn't just about, it's about what's right. He really um, protected life as we know, fought hard against it, defunded Planned Parenthood, Mexico City abortion, which equates to literally... Uh, I mean, billions of billions of dollars. And of course, Biden put that right back in within the first week of his administration as the good Catholic he is. You know, I recently interviewed uh, President Trump and some of his favorite questions were the ones that I asked him that were more biographical about his children, about himself as a father, those kinds of things, things that the media doesn't ask very often. You are a famous pastor who has baptized my friends. As I mentioned, we served on a board together. But I don't know a lot about you as a person. What would surprise the world to know about you and how you got where you are today? Oh boy, that is a long loaded question, Gina. But I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> he said I made him talk too much, so you go ahead. <laughs> 
what would surprise people? I think you have to go back based on what, if someone's Googling or seeing like, oh, how the media just makes us all seem like this absolute crazy person. And for me, they've labeled me for years prosperity and like I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, et cetera, when the contrary is true for my life. My father committed suicide when I was five years old. My mother, with that kind of guilt and hurt and horrendous pain, became a raging alcoholic, though she was very educated, especially later in life with two masters and a doctorate. She was also a lifelong Democrat. So um, you can imagine, prior to my mom's death, how those conversations would go, though we were extremely, extremely close. I think we represented a family that um, was politically absolutely opposite but we knew how to get along as family. As this crazy kind of party girl, never heard the gospel, didn't grow up in church, never knew the name Jesus, though I uh, say his name was like the tooth fairy or Santa Claus to me, there was no reality that he was the son of God. And I think people get surprised thinking like I was kind of born into this or what, what happened. So I, I got pregnant when I was 18 years old, had a child out of wedlock when I was 19 years old and lived in a trailer. I know what it is to be on WIC. I know what it is to struggle, but I also know what it is not to stay there. I know what it is to um, have the hope of Jesus Christ come to my life because at 19, really 18 years old, I got radically saved, um, which means that I had this encounter in a friend's other double-wide trailer, <laughs> and someone shared the gospel with me, and I said yes to Jesus. I had a real sense of purpose. I knew that I wanted to dedicate my life to helping people the rest of my life. And I lived outside of Washington. I went down to Second and D, started feeding people. Somebody had given me a turkey. I took half that turkey and fed someone um, half a turkey and said, I want to do this the rest of my life. I was working with the advocate, Mitch Schneider, who helped the homeless. So when I got miraculously saved, etc., I began to follow the Word of God, and I took a Bible, and I said, I just want to know this Word. What, what, what does it have to say? Who are you, God? Who am I? And what is life all about? I had a lot of unlearning to do, a lot to what we would call renewing our mind, but I believe in the Word of God. I believe in the ordinance of God. I believe in the truth of God. And the key for anyone is really having that renewed mind. I think that the most important thing I learned is that biblical prosperity is not about money necessarily. It's about health and it's about wisdom and it's about successful relationships. It's about work on our thoughts and it's a holistic that's spirit, soul, and body. We're whole and it means that God is a good God and we believe that. And I know that, that our yeah. Father is a great God. So I'll never forget where I came from and the tough times, how the reason I was living in a trailer is my mom had remarried a two-star admiral and, uh, you know, they cut me off for becoming a Jesus freak and how difficult it was. And those days were so important because it was all the building process and people go, how'd you get there? I've never owned a card. I've never prayed for, hey, God, open this door, or put me in this place. I've never strived to do anything. I've just strived to please God on a daily basis and help people one person at a time. 200 nations later and serving with President wow. Trump in the White House, serving all people of faith, I can just say, yes, God is good. So that's my yeah, testimony. Sometimes you I just, 
You just can't get past the evidence. There really is a point where you don't have a right not exactly. to believe anymore. So when people ask why you believe, you could just, I just don't have a way not to because the evidence is there. Pastor Paula White, you are an inspiration to so many and certainly us here at this audience and this network. Thank you so much for being here and for all you do. And Thank I hope you. God continues to bless and bless all you do. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. Sure to appreciate and love you. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Right back at you. Coming up, we have some news you won't hear anyplace else, and we'll show you CNN's theory on the real reason why why we want to find the origin of COVID. Yeah, we got CNN on this. So that's next right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's time for news you didn't know and here to help as always from our RAV headquarters in Denver, Colorado, Jessica Rivera. Jessica, great to see you. Yes, Dr. Gina, the state of Colorado, where I live, has a couple new laws dealing with college admissions. One of the laws will no longer require the state's public colleges and universities to consider SAT or ACT scores for admitting new freshmen. Governor Jared Polis has also signed another bill that makes Colorado the first state to stop what is called a legacy admissions in public universities. The reason behind the bills are the belief that wealthier families can afford SAT and ACT tutoring, which in turn allows for higher test scores, and that richer kids are more likely to have family legacies at Colorado colleges and universities. Governor Polis says, quote, we need to make sure that admission practices are equitable, end quote. But Dr. Gina, it doesn't take much to realize that from here on out, Colorado will seem to as though, um, it will seem as a state that is being fair or equal to all incoming freshman admissions applications. But the reality will actually be the liberal schools will pick and choose who they will require the SAT and SAT scores from. And that will most likely turn out to be white and Asian students. And the schools will most likely probably forego those scores for Hispanic and black students. And for that exact reason, we should never get equity and equality mixed up. They are not the same. Equity allows for judgment and equality does not, which is very, very different. Very different, Jessica. Um, always interesting with you and you're absolutely right this is something we're hearing over and over again the only thing I can say that is a little promising for some parents perhaps is that after way too many degrees I had to unlearn most of what I absorbed at those liberal universities to actually function in life so there's that good news thanks for being with us tonight and thank you to all of you here at your new home for real news, Real America's Voice. Tomorrow night, we'll bring you the America First Rally in Dalton, Georgia with Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. You will not want to miss it. Hug your children, love your God, go boldly now, and live the truth.